All right, let's turn to uh, Ezra chapter 3. Last week, we started a look at Ezra, and this, uh, this morning, we want to read some verses from chapter 3, Ezra chapter 3. All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Ezra, just joking. Ezra, Ezra 3, and we'll read verses 1 through 9, verses 1 through 9 in the book of Ezra. It says this, Ezra chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, says this, and when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren the priest, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shotil, and his brethren, and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. What a nice statement. And they set the altar upon his bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. They kept also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom, as the duty of every day required. And afterward offered the continental burnt offering. Sorry, the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and of everyone that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters and to and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa according to the grant they had of Cyrus king of Persia verse 8 now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month began Zerubbabel the son of Shetil and Jeshua the son of Josadak and the remnant of their brethren the priests and the levites and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem and appointed the levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren Kedmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. Let's pray, please. <laughs> Heavenly Father, again, we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, again, we just praise you. We glory in you. We boast in you. And God, we just thank you for watching over us another week. Lord, thank you that we can be together in the house of God. Lord, that we can gather together. And Lord, we can sing such good songs. We can sing songs of praise. And Lord, just take time to, to turn our hearts and minds off the things of the world, just to let the things of earth grow strangely dim. Lord, and realign and refocus, uh, dear God, on the things of God. And that we can come here and we can pray for one another. We can be encouragement to one another. And we can help one another. And Lord, I pray today that, again, if there's somebody here or somebody listening that's not saved, Lord, what a great day it would be, uh, dear God, for them, uh, dear God, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe on the finished work of our beloved Savior. And Lord, those that are saved, God, that our hearts and minds, again, would be tuned into you. And Lord, that we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, our desires that you would be exalted and glorified. And Lord, that you would build your local church right here. Heavenly Father, we need you. We desire you. We're dependent upon you. And Lord, we confess that. Now, again, help us through the word of God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
So as we began to look at Ezekiel, just a little review from last week. You remember the Lord? We saw how the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia. And of course, we saw how that was prophesied in the Word of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? He even put his, his name right there, that Cyrus, amen, uh, would become a king. And so again, they're reminding us that God knew he was going to be born just like he knew that you were going to be born. And he had a desire that when Cyrus would be born, that he would do something in Cyrus's heart and he would do something through Cyrus's life. And he wants to do something in your heart and he wants to do something through your life. And so the people of God, of course, they'd been in captivity uh, for 70 years. And we saw uh, how that was prophesied for Jeremiah that the people would go into captivity and it would be 70 years. And uh, they could read that. And uh, we saw that how Daniel uh, understood that. And so we saw how the king gave proclamation that whosoever wanted to return, right, to Jerusalem and help rebuild the temple. He gave out the proclamation, and it was a whosoever will proclamation. And aren't you glad, amen, that there's a king in heaven that has given a whosoever will proclamation that whosoever will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, uh, might be saved. And so we saw how God, it's a whosoever will for salvation, and it's a whosoever will for service. There's no one that God wants to leave out uh, in being saved, and then those that are saved, there's no one that God wants to leave out in his service. God wants to use every one of us. And we saw how biblical faith, right? God was restoring and wanted to restore their biblical faith, right? And how biblical faith must be restored. It must be present because what? When we come before God, what does he want? He wants biblical worship, right? It matters how you worship God. Therefore, it matters how you believe God. And so uh, biblical faith will lead us to biblical worship and biblical service. So we must return and God wants us to return to him if we've gotten away and obey his word. And then we saw how one way God changes the future, right? We mentioned, made that statement, was to what? Disturb the present. That's how, again, salvation. Hey, uh, you need to be, if you want to be saved, if you need to be saved, you know what God wants to do? He wants to disturb your present, right? Your present condition. <laughs> it has to be disturbed, right? You, uh, we want the Holy Spirit. To, if, you're not, if you're not saved here today or you're not saved and you're listening, you want what God to do? We want the Holy Spirit, amen, to come by and convict you. We want the Word of God to be used to, to disturb you, amen? <laughs> we want people to uh, uh, be uh, stirred up and disturbed. We don't want them to be comfortable, uh, in, in the things of God if they're not saved. And then if somebody's uh, saved, but maybe not where they should be with the Lord, uh, we want them to be disturbed. But even if you're faithful, hey, we don't want to get in a rut. We don't want to get a little routine. Sometimes even those that are faithful, and maybe they're not really doing a, anything wrong in their life, but we've just gotten to do routine as, a, as an individual. We've gotten a routine as a church, and God needs to come by and disturb our present if you will. So God wants to disturb your present. And as we mentioned, God wants to disturb this church's present and even our nation. And so we see God always has a purpose and plan for his people. God has a purpose and plan for his people. And so we see there, we saw how God uh, uh, or, or a remnant left out uh, for Jerusalem, right? They, le they left uh, uh, that area and under captivity and they headed towards Jerusalem. It was a remnant and how God uses a remnant. And so God always has his remnant, but we reminded that what? Again, a lot of times when you think of a remnant, you think of the leftovers, but God's remnant are not his leftovers, amen? Uh, they're, they're his special and peculiar people, his small group, 
right? And I like that thought of a small group, again, because, you know, I think, I think military, right? And I always uh, said this, you know, even, even uh, uh, when God allowed me to have a ministry, I said, sure, we always, sure, everybody wants a lot of people. We sure that, you know, hey, we wish, uh, we, we wish these pews were full. We wish people were in the balcony. Hey, man, we wish people were hanging off the rafters, if you will. That wouldn't bother me. Hey, we want that. But I always say this, uh, more than I just want a group of people, I, I want uh, not, not just a bunch of uh, soldiers in uniform. I said, I always want the special forces for God. Amen. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather head a, a smaller group. That's the special forces. Remember special forces? They're always smaller groups, but they're high, more highly trained and they're more serious. Amen. About accomplishing the mission. And that's what I like. Hey, I, I want people to be serious about God. I want them to love God. I want them to know the word of God. I want them to have a heart uh, uh, for God. And that's in Important. And so that, think about that as a remnant. Remember, God's remnant, again, are not the leftovers, but the small group that's wi- that willingly, that willingly chose to separate themselves on the Lord. Again, we think about getting saved. We're moving from bad to good. But then as believers, we need to move from good to better <laughs> and even better to best. So that, 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 that sort of separates the group. And it's hard to believe that there are people that are saved that don't want to go all out for God. Well, I, I saw that uh, when, when I looked down over 35 years uh, of, of salvation coming up this month, right? Today's May 1st, right? This month, 35 years. And I look at people that I started out with, if you will. I look at people that I began to know. And you know what? I, I see that the lines have thinned. The lines have thinned, if you will. I've used this illustration before. It's sort of like, you know, we all, we all started out here together. At one, I get excited, saved, and wanted to serve the Lord. And we sort of came to a line of testing. And you know what? Some people stayed there and some kept going. Then we came to another line of testing and a, a, a few more dwindled off. And boy, I look down uh, 35 years later and I don't see there's as many people, amen, uh, as, there, as there used to be. I see that, you know, the remnant, if you will, is getting smaller. But thank God there are still people that are serious about God and wanting to serve him. But here God had his remnant. And thank God it's because serving the Lord, amen, is a matter of the will and a desire. But they're more dedicated to his service, and God blesses and uses his, his remnant. Anyways, let's come. That brings us here to chapter 3, right, in the verses we read today. And so I sort of have this thought about advancing God's work. And I ask this question, who wants to be out front? Amen. Who wants to be out front? And I said this, when I joined the military, right, I volunteered for the infantry, Right. Again, I said, remember, the, I always joke, the infantry is where they put all the, all, 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 all the all, I'd always say this, that's where they put all the stupid people. Oh, well, son, uh, you didn't do as good on the test, but we still have something for you. Here, go over here. But I said, you know what? I wasn't stupid. I was real stupid. I volunteered for the infantry. Amen? <laughs> you know, no, but I, I love it. But I said this, hey, if I was willing to be a frontline soldier for the country, I should be willing to be a frontline soldier for the Lord. And we should all want to be a frontline soldier for the Lord. And notice in verse 8, now, of course, this is talking a little bit later, but you see this term in verse 8. At the end of that verse, it says, it says, from 20 years old and upward, look, to set forward the work of the house of the Lord, to set forward the work of the house. Of the Lord. So you see that thought, to set forward the work. But then notice what it says in verse 9. It says, the sons of Judah together, look, to set forward the workmen in the house of God. 
So God, he has a work he wants to accomplish, and he has people that he wants to use to accomplish that work and people that he wants to use in that work. Set forward the work. Set forward the workmen. For the work to advance, amen, there must be workers willing to advance. And we should be saying, hey, I want to advance with God. I want to move forward with God. And so one thing we see in these verses, it takes unity. It takes unity among God's people to move forward. It takes unity among God's people to move forward. Listen, one of my favorite phrases in the Bible is found in verse 1 of chapter 3. Notice again what it says. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel in the cities, the people gathered themselves together. Notice that statement, as one man. That's one of my favorite thoughts in the Word of God. One of my favorite statements when referring to God's people gathered together is that it's as one man. And that's how it should be. It doesn't matter how many people of God's people are gathered together. Amen. There should be unity. We should have one heart and one mind and one desire towards God. Right? Uh, the, the church should operate with one set of hands reaching out to a lost and dying world. The church should operate with one set of feet willing to go out. Amen. And do what he'd have us to do and go where he'd have us to go. And that's how we should operate. We want to have one heart and one mind as the people of God. So upon their arrival in Jerusalem, God's leaders set forward the work of rebuilding the temple. God's word says the remnant gathered as one man. And that, they set the example. It takes, my, it takes the mind of God. It takes the mind of God in order to follow the Lord in unity. For the church, now listen to this, for the church to have the mind of Christ... Right? What is the church? Again, the church is not a building put together by man. The church is a people put together by God. So for the church to have the mind of Christ, each individual in that church, each individual in that church must be in tune with the heart of God. It takes all of us, each of us individually, to be in tune with the heart of God so that we can be in tune with God collectively as God's church. It's so important for a church to be in unity and one accord to move forward. We see examples of that in the book of Acts. Acts 1.14, when they were waiting for Pentecost, it says this in Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Now, you know God was in it, amen? Amen? They were all in one accord, even the women. Just all right, just joking. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. And so, boy, that's a good sign right there. Okay, you guys can get on to me later. Amen? I'm, hey, I'm just reading the Word of God. Just reading the Word of God. That's what it says, with the women. I don't know why it emphasized that, but it did, and I'm glad it did. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother. And you know what that shows? Listen, but listen, I'm glad God put that in there because, listen, other. The, the, a lot of work would not get done around the house of God if it wasn't for faithful women of God. You know, and so we, we joke about that, but the reality is a lot of work that's done in the house and around the house of God, if you will, is done by faithful women. Hey, listen, uh, uh, men, husbands, all right, when somebody got sick in the church, when's the last time you cooked a meal for somebody? All right, just saying, just saying. And uh, Ari said, be glad it wasn't me. Be glad it wasn't me. Right? Right. But I uh, don't want to get sidetracked by that, but that's something to think about. Acts 2, verse 1. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, now here it's the day that God wants to do something new and God wants to do something great and mighty among his church. And for that to happen, what's it say? They were all in one accord in what? In one place. Amen. That's how the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be in one accord in one place. Acts 4 verse 24 says this, and when they heard that, right, of course, you know, some of the brethren had been persecuted and they were let go, but then they came together, says, let, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They lifted up their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Everybody said that, which has made heaven. Everyone believed that, and earth, and the sea, and all that in them is. Amen. They were with one accord. Amen. They believed the same, and they prayed the same. And so we need to ask, as a local church, may the Lord help us to, amen, to be in one accord in one place and one accord in prayer that, amen, we would all be in tune with the heart of God and as a church be in tune with the heart of God and be ready to advance and move forward to carry out his work and will. Because, you know, a lot of times I don't understand how a church, uh, 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 when they vote for something, if they're in one accord, how they, everybody could vote the same. That's a, that's a quick way to find something out, right? <laughs> have, have a vote. I mean, if everybody's praying, God only has one will in a situation, right? God only has one will in a situation. And so, you know, that doesn't mean everybody just like, and so it's not supposed to say, hey, I know sometimes, you know, we say, well, the preacher says, I've been praying about this or I know this, but really, you know, when there's something serious going on, everybody's supposed to be praying about it. And so if everybody's heart is in tune to God and the church is in tune to God, amen, then they should move forward for whatever it is, amen, in tune, in tune. But you know what? Hey, listen, but I've seen, I've seen a church vote on something where only one voted against it, right? And everybody's like, oh, I can't believe that one person did that. But you know what? That one person ended up being right. So that's why it's important, amen, that everybody prays, that everybody prays and we're in one accord. God is always advancing, and we go forward with him as we follow his word. We see a great example. Turn over to Exodus 14. Great example, of course, where the people are coming out of uh, uh, Egypt and they're getting ready to move forward across the Red Sea. Exodus 14 says this. And Moses said unto the people, Exodus 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the, I love this. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. You know, God wants to show you something today. God wants to show you something today. Are you paying attention? Amen. If you will hear me today, for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Think about that. God wants to wipe out your enemies. And that's what happens when you get saved. Amen. Exodus verse, now verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children, that they go forward. What are you doing standing still? And that's the problem with a lot of Christians. That's the problem with a lot of churches. They're standing still when God is saying, hey, it's time to move forward. It's time, amen, to do something great in my name. Now, notice what he said, verse 15. He said, go forward. But before they could move forward with God, before they could advance with God, some things had to happen. Look again at verse 13. He says, fear ye not, fear ye not. They had to regain their biblical faith. <laughs> they had to regain their biblical faith, right? 
Because what? When we're not believing God like we should, what happens? Fear creeps in, right? They had to regain their biblical faith. Stand still. They had to refocus. Hey, listen, you're, you're looking at the enemy. You're looking at what's going on around you. You're looking at how you're feeling. Hey, listen, you need to regain your faith and you need to refocus. Don't be looking at the enemy. Don't be looking at situation, circumstance. Don't be getting caught up on how you feel right now, your emotions. Stand still, what? And see. Stand and see. What's God always doing to us? He's always saying, going like this, right here, right here, right here. Nope, not on the enemy, not on the situation or circumstance, not on how you feel, right here. Get your eyes on me. And they had to be in the moment, if you will, and conscious that God was in control. Listen, you worried about something, you nervous about something, you looking at a situation, a circumstance, you know what? God says, fear not, amen? Get in the word, get some biblical faith, stand still and know that I am God, and that what the Bible says, and see, listen, amen, refocus and become consciously aware that I'm in control of you right now, that I'm in control of the situation right now, and it's time to move forward. Biblical faith will give you the desire to move forward with God. People move forward with those they know and trust, right? Think about this. People move forward with those they know and trust, right? And God wants us to move forward with him. And listen, if, you, if you're going to move forward with God, you know why a lot of people don't move forward with God? They, hey, I know people, they may say 5, 10, 15 years, and they've gone nowhere with God. You know why? Because they don't know him. Now, they might know him as Savior, but yet they've never moved forward and developed the relationship that they should have with him. And so they don't really know God. They still know about him. Right. Uh, listen, we need to we need to know God as Savior. And then, listen, John, uh, one of my favorite uh, chapters, John one. Right. Remember, again, J J John said twice in there, behold, the Lamb of God. Right. He said it twice. What's the difference? The first time he said, behold, the Lamb of God, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So the first time you need to behold him as the one that takes away your sin. But the second time, what did he say? He just said, behold, the Lamb, period. And that's how it works. Behold, the Lamb of God, know him as your Savior, get saved. And after that, you just spend the rest of your life beholding the Lamb, amen, and getting to know him and learning how to trust him. And walk with him. That's what the Bible tells us. What did Jesus say? Listen, that people move forward again with those they know and trust. That is why it's so important to know God in a real way. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. What did Jesus say? You know, verse 28 coming to me. But verse 29 says this. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. Learn of me. Don't just know about me. Learn of me. And why you can trust me. And why you can advance with me in your life. And in my will for your life. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest into your souls. And you see, because as I learn of him, I get direction for my forward advancing in my will for his life. What was Peter? Peter uh, was challenged. We went through, uh, just went through 2 Peter. And again, what was Peter challenged? He said, what? When thou art converted, what? Strengthen the brethren. So his job was to strengthen the brethren or show them or tell them how they could be strengthened as believers. And how did he end 2 Peter? 2 Peter 3.18. But what? But grow in grace and what? And in the knowledge of. 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory now and forever. He says, Listen. He says let me leave you. I, I've given you two epistles here. Let me leave you with this thought. Know him. If I can leave you with one, you know how somebody says, well, if I can leave you with one thought. Amen. If Peter says, hey, if I can leave you with one thought, this is it. Know him. Know him. Know him. Because people only move forward and only walk with those, amen, that they know and trust. Think about when you study leadership. What do they tell you? People only follow leaders that they know and trust and feel comfortable with. And so, hey, listen, you need to feel comfortable with Jesus. And the best way to do that is to know him and learn of him so you can trust him. You see, we will delight in what God desires for us, we will delight in what God desires for us as we come to know the Lord for who he is, for who he is. And so that's why it's so important, amen, that we be in unity to move forward and unity and in tune with the Lord. And to be in tune with him, you have to know him. And then again, leaders must set the example in moving forward. Verse two, it says this, then stood up what? Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, and then so on. Who stood up? Amen. The leaders stood up. Then stood up Jeshua. Leaders, amen, must step forward first. Leaders should know what God wants because their heart and mind is in tune with God's heart. You see, a leader's responsibility is to see before others see. Amen. He's called leader. I remember uh, uh, when I used to you know, I'd knock on people's doors, and I always liked it when, when, the, when, when, the little, when the little child would come in, right? The little child would be standing there with one of his parents. And often I would say this. I'd say to the little child, hey, make sure you listen to your parents, because remember, they're taller than you. They can see farther down the road than you can. Mommy and Daddy, they can see things that you can't see yet. Amen? Their ears are used to life. They can hear things that you can't hear yet. And that's true spiritually, amen? You see, Jesus can see things <laughs> that we can't see, right? He can hear things going on in our life that we get. And you see, and that's how we're, when we're in tune with God, that's why it's a responsibility, especially if you're in the ministry, to be in tune with God, right? Because God calls you, amen, to see things before others see them and to hear things before others hear them. Listen, uh, when, when, somebody, when somebody prays for you, it's hard to get over on them. Let me tell you, I see, I see things, I think right now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I think about some people I've been praying for, and I see, I see things in their life right now, I see decisions they're making right now, and you know what? I'm not shocked. I'm hurt by some of the decisions that they're making, but I'm not shocked. You know why? Because I saw it coming. I saw it coming. I heard it coming. Why? Because I pray for them, and I pay attention the best I can. Does that mean I know everything? No. But listen, but listen, when you pray for people and you, you, you try to stay, I'm not saying I'm, but you know what I'm saying, right? Parents with their children, right? You see things, you know? You, you, you might be surprised sometimes when maybe an event happens, but you knew there was something there, right? You saw, you could sense there was something. Why? Because you love them. You pray for them. You pay attention to what's going on. In your life. That's the leader's responsibility, right? That's why the leaders should take the lead because they're supposed to see before others see. They're supposed to know before others know. Leaders carry the burden of the work in their heart, right? So a lot of people came to Jerusalem, but there were some that were carrying the burden of the work in their heart. And that's the leader's job to carry the burden of the work. Even though other, everybody's, many more people are going to participate, it's the leader's job to carry the 
Not that others don't, but leaders must have the response. It's so important to pray for leaders of the word. Amen. Thirdly, biblical worship is a fundamental part of moving forward and building the work of God. Biblical worship. Notice verse 2. Again, they were what? They were coming to build the temple. They were coming to build the temple. And notice what it says. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priest, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and his brethren, and builded what? The altar of the God of Israel. Builded the altar of the... What did they build first? They didn't come and see this temple and say, hey, we need to frame this thing up, boys. <laughs> that wasn't the first thing they said. That wasn't the first thing they said. Where did they begin? What's the first thing they did? They builded the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And notice verse 3, and they set what? The altar upon his basis. You see? And built what? The altar. They set the altar upon his basis. Right? Upon the basis. They came to build the temple. Remember, they came to build the temple, right? Ezra's about building the temple. Nehemiah's about building the wall. Again, because the spiritual inside must precede the outward work. But note again, the first step toward reestablishing the temple was restoring the altar. They started with the altar. Just like Elijah, right? When, when, when Elijah, when God was ready to, to bring a great revival in Israel again, how did it begin? He said, what? Hey, he said, meet me on top of Mount Carmel. And what did he do when he got up there? 1 Kings 18, verses 30 through 32 say this. And Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And what's the first thing he did? He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thine. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Another good example, right? Father Abraham, right? The father, we call him the father of what? Faith. What did God have him do? We all know Genesis 12, 1 through 3, because that's where we see the, you know, the Abrahamic covenant and all that. But what does verse 6 say of Genesis 12? And Abram passed through the land and the place of Sikkim unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was in the land, right? Verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thee thy seed, unto thy seed will I give this land. Look, and there built he an altar, what unto the Lord, look, who appeared unto him. He built the altar, and the Lord appeared unto him. Verse 8, And then he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Ahay on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Hey, wherever God puts you, wherever God sends you, make sure one of the first things you do is establish the altar in your home. <laughs> establish the altar. Amen. Listen, if you if you're if you if you Lord moves your family or whatever, establish the altar and you should know that there is a good, amen, Bible believing uh, local New Testament independent Baptist church <laughs> in that area. In that area. You see, why? Because the altar is where man comes into contact with God. The altar is where uh, uh, God, uh, God meets with man. 
There, that is where sin is dealt with. That is where worship takes place. Where we do business with God should be our first priority. Listen, because the temple doesn't mean anything if there's not a place to meet God, if there's not a place to confess our sins, if there's not a place to get right with God and, and exercise biblical faith and exercise biblical worship, amen, and get direction from God, amen, then all you have is just brick and mortar. It doesn't mean anything unless there's a place to come into contact with God and you have a desire to hear from God. Where we do business with God should be the first priority. Doing business with God sets the stage for moving forward and advancing with God. Notice again, verse 33, it says, And they set the altar upon the basis the for fear was upon them because of the people of these countries. But you know what? And they offered burnt offerings thereon in the Lord, even burnt offerings, morning and evening. So fear was upon them. You see, but here's the question. It's not whether we ever fear. We all face fears. You know, I can joke about being in the military. I can joke about, you know, uh, traveling the world and going, in, and going into war zones and facing a, facing a lot of things. But you think, I don't ha- I've ever had fears? Of course Listen, but I, I, listen. it wasn't because I was in some war zone or I was in some jungle. Listen, I've had fear sitting in my own house. I've had fear sitting in the office at the church. Say, why? Because I'm human and I'm weak and I'm feeble, just like everybody else. That's why. But it's not whether we ever fear. It's what we're willing to do in the face of fear that we get more serious about and continue to live out our faith just like they did. They had fear, but they continue to get be serious about God and live out their faith. The world may not agree. The world may try intimidating us. The world may try to challenge us, but we cannot stop. We must continue, amen, amen, to build the altar and to build the temple and to do the work of God. We must continue to move forward. Proverbs 9.10 says this, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So remember this, when you have fears within and fears without, as Paul would say, let the fear of the Lord will help you overcome the fear of other things. How do you overcome the fear of other things? Amen, by having a strong fear of the Lord, if you will. Amen, in your relationship with him and the the fear of the others that would try to intimidate you with. Let's try to... Finish up here, verse 4. They kept also the Feast of Tabernacles as is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom. Look how this verse ends. As the duty of every day required. As the duty of every day. What a great statement. As the duty of every Remember this. Every day we have spiritual requirements. Are you fulfilling, amen, the duty that every day requires in your walk with God? in your reading of the Word of God, in your prayer prayer life, amen, in your ministering to others, amen, in in the will of God. Are Are you fulfilling the duty every day is required by God? And then verse 5 says, And afterward offered the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of the set feast of the Lord that were consecrated. And everyone, look at this, that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. Willingly offered a free will offering. Listen, God, God wants to save you. God wants you to serve him, but God is not going to drag you down to the altar. Amen? 
Listen, that's why when, you know, we always, uh, uh, in Revelation chapter 3, behold, he standeth at the door and knocketh, right? Remember the famous painting about Jesus standing at the door? And what's the, what's the, the, the significant thing about that painting? What's the significant thing about that painting? No door handle on the outside. Because the Lord will knock at your door if you need to be saved. He, if you need to be saved today, he's knocking on the door. He says, come unto me. Amen. I want to save you today. If you're saved, but you're not where you should be, he's saying, come and be restored to me today. Yeah, right. Or if you just need to get into service, whatever the case is, he's knocking at the door. Amen. And he, he but he waits for you to open it willingly with a free will from the inside. Amen. He's God and he's a man, but he's a gentleman. Amen. He doesn't beat the, he doesn't beat the door down, but he stands there with grace and mercy and love and patience, saying, if you'll let me come in, I'll save you. Or if you'll let me come in, I'll use you. Let me come in and I'll restore what needs to be restored. Let me come in, amen, and we can advance and move forward together. You feeling weak? I'll restore your biblical faith. You want to draw close to me? Amen. I'll restore your biblical worship. Amen. You want to walk with me? You want to know about me? Hey, I'll tell you about it. Just like there on the road to Emmaus, he opened up the word of God and expounded all the things concerning himself. That, you know what? He's still in that business. God wants to take this book and he, he wants to expound unto you all the things concerning himself because it's a Jesus book. It's a Jesus book. So you see, God brought them to Jerusalem, and they were in Jerusalem. Now think about this. Why were they in Jerusalem? They were in Jerusalem for a specific task, for a specific task. And you know what? They were to move forward in that specific task. And, and, and if they weren't going to fulfill that specific task, you know what? There was no reason for them to be there. If they weren't going to fulfill the reason God allowed them to be there, then there was no reason for them to be there. You know what? God has given us a specific task. And if we're not fulfilling the specific task, you say, oh, man, there's churches closing all over the place. Well, you know why? Maybe they're not fulfilling their specific task, and so there's no reason for them to be there anyways. They're not fulfilling their task. Hey, listen, that's why we want to be busy fulfilling our task, because we want them to say, hey, I need, I need that remnant. That remnant down there on Old Buck and Robe, I need that remnant. Amen? Because they're fulfilling the task that I've given them. Amen? They're moving forward. They're learning of me. And they desire for me. And they have a heart for me. Oh, they're just a remnant. That's right. But we're God's remnant. We're not his leftovers. Amen? We're the group that he's put together to serve him here and through here. We are here for a specific task. Finished with this, Hudson Taylor, heard of that great missionary, said this, the goal of the Christian is to advance with God. And I would say amen to that. The goal of the Christian is to advance with God. So we need to ask ourselves, am I as an individual Christian advancing with God? And then we need to ask ourselves collectively, are we as a local body of believers advancing with God? Well, that's what he called them there to do, amen? And it began at the altar. <laughs> hey, listen, you need to be saved, it begins at the altar. You need to get right with God, it begins at the altar. You need direction or wisdom from God, it begins at the altar. Let's pray.